Welcome to American Indian and Alaska Native Living, a program designed to educate and inspire listeners throughout Indian country. American Indian and Alaska Native Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he is here today to help you learn more about your health. Here is Dr. DeRose. Welcome to today's edition of the broadcast. I am Dr. David DeRose. We are looking today at some very, very exciting things. We're talking about how you can be truly successful when it comes to your exercise, to your optimal health, to your whole approach to life. To help us on this very important dialogue is Heather Moore. She is a individual who's eminently qualified to speak to us. She's got her doctorate in physical therapy, as well as being a uh, highly accomplished athlete. Heather, it's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. Love to be here. Heather, a lot of folks know your names, especially if they're in the Philadelphia area or if they've read some of the things you've contributed in national and international works. But for those that don't know you, tell us just a bit more about you. Sure. So I was a nationally ranked swimmer and I went to college for swimming, which sparked my interest in physical therapy, Um, went on to physical therapy school, graduated with my master's, then went back and got my doctorate and worked on the PGA tour, the LPGA tour uh, with uh, MLB and most lately with the Olympic team. Started my own company 10 years ago to provide the services that are available to athletes at high levels to uh, me and, and everybody like me. And uh, here we are. So we have uh, total performance physical therapy, which was started in 2011. And we have three locations in the Philadelphia area. So you've thrown out a lot of abbreviations, all of the uh, sports aficionados who are tuning in today, they're familiar with them, but it sounded like you were talking about professional golf and professional baseball. Did I get that right? Correct. Yeah. Sorry. Sometimes it just rolls off the tongue. And yeah, so the PGA is the professional golf tour and the MLB is the major league baseball, all of these, which I've been involved with and on tour. So uh, folks who are followers of sports, they would say, well, sure, physical therapists, trainers, they're integral parts of any sport. But help uh, some of those tuning in who maybe don't know the world of competitive and professional athletics. Tell us where a physical therapist fits in, say, uh, on the pro golf tour. So really the physical therapist fits in where it fits in in your life. And this is where people are very, I don't want to say skeptical, but they don't really understand exactly what physical therapy can do. So when you are performing at those optimal levels, if you have a kink in your neck or you have tightness in your back, you can't go out there with any type of feeling of, ugh. You know, uh, when I turned 40, I finally knew what it was like to wake up every day and feel, oh, and when they wake up and feel that way, they can't function in their optimal performance. So they come to the trailers, we work on them. Athletes have to be able to perform at optimal physical levels every day. Now, you and I don't necessarily have to be at our physical best every day, but if we're in pain over time, it wears on us. So 
they come to PT or physical therapy the same for the same reasons that we do. They just address those aches and pains quicker than we do. We put them off because we can ignore them. But if they wake up and have stiffness in their low back, they can't blow it off or they're not going to perform at the levels they need to perform at to make the big money that they do. This is such a critical point. And of course, we've got folks that tune in across the country who no doubt are competitive athletes. But there's other folks, I'm sure the majority of our listeners, who are saying, well, this is all interesting. This lady's got to know what she's doing. Dr. Moore has got to be an expert. But what does this all mean for me? I'm having some challenges this time of year. Or, well, come to think of it, I have challenges every time of year. What does a physical therapist have to tell me? And why should I stay tuned to a radio show on this topic? So I think there's a lot of misconception about physical therapy. Um, One of the things that drives me crazy is every time I see a picture of a physical therapist, they're helping somebody walk in a set of parallel bars. I've never done that in my entire life ever. Um, That's not what I do. That's not what most physical therapists do. But for some reason, this is the most popular picture out there of us. Um, we deal with the everyday aches and pains. And unfortunately, as a society, we have decided that we can pop Advil, we can take a hot pack, we can just stop doing activity, and that's going to fix everything. There's some pill out there that's going to fix everything. And most of the time, that's not the case. So when we talk about physical therapy, I'm talking about everyday pains. We're seeing a lot of latent uh, pains coming up now because 2020 people stopped moving. So now backs, necks, people are in pain with headaches. This is the type of stuff that we treat on an everyday basis. I always say to people, give your pain two weeks. If it doesn't go away in two weeks, it's a problem. And it, I'm not talking about going away, meaning I'm going to pop Advil for the next three months and, and manage it. I'm talking about I get it. Everyone wakes up. Something's cranky. You got a kink in your neck. Your blowback is stiff. If that doesn't go away within two weeks, it's not going away on its own. And it's something you have to address. Otherwise, you're going to wind up compensating for it. And then everyone comes in and wants to say, well, this is going to take a lot of time and a lot of money. Let me tell you something. If you come in after you feel aches or pains for two weeks, I'm going to clear it up really fast. If you come in after you felt aches or pains for six months or a year or two years, it is going to take more time and money and more investment on your part in order to get back to normal. But the bad part is, is if you don't put it in, you will never get back to normal. And these things snowball gradually. So it's something that when you have a back pain or a neck pain or shoulder pain, you don't want to ignore it because they really can lead to things that you're trying to avoid down the line. Ignoring it is never the answer. No, I mean, it's such a great answer, Dr. Moore. And it's analogous to a lot of what we see in the weight control arena. You know, if someone starts realizing they're putting on the pounds, uh, try to get some help. You know, when you put on 20 pounds, don't wait until it's 200. It's going to take a whole lot longer to lose 200 than 20, right? Absolutely. And we see, you know, now that people have put on a lot of weight in 2020, unfortunately, due to sedentary, um, everyone's kind of jumped in and tried to get back to either the exercises they were doing before, or they're trying the new fangled whatever 2021 January brings. And we're seeing a lot of injuries because people aren't respecting their body, understanding that 
last year as a society, we were very dormant. We, I think they tracked our cell phones to say we were moving 51% less. And some people are trying to get back to the gyms as they're opening up and resume where they left off. And we're seeing a lot of people injure themselves because of that. But you always want to deal with something as soon as you can. And I can't emphasize enough that taking Advil or stopping an activity is not dealing with it. That's ignoring it. That's putting a Band-Aid on it. You're not fixing anything. And it's going to come back like a vengeance if you don't actually take the time to figure out, A, why it's happening, and B, what you have to do to actually solve the problem. I appreciate that you're so point on. And for the benefit of my listeners, in my seat as a practicing clinician, I am shocked by how many people use these over-the-counter pain relievers thinking they're completely safe. All you got to do is open up the drug information today and you'll see the connection between things like common pain relievers and heart attacks, stroke, gastrointestinal disorders, uh, kidney problems. I mean, the list goes on and on. So what you're telling us, Heather, is there's a better way. Don't just medicate uh, with these over-the-counter drugs or even prescription things. Really get some help and look at the root of the problem, right? Absolutely. There's such a, uh, I think we're saturated with the amount of warnings that come with drug labels that we just kind of all ignore them now. I mean, even my kids sometimes will all open up a, you know, we don't take a whole lot of medicine in my house because I'm not for it, but they're always laughing when they see a TV commercial, you know, it's almost a joke now. And I've seen Advil eat out away at people's stomach linings. I have seen people hospitalized because of what these simple over-the-counter medications supposedly do. And they don't fix anything. And I think that really is where people fail to realize they will take the edge off, which is what they were designed to do, but they were designed to take the edge off and then allow you to get treatment in order to be able to function correctly. But I think people really don't understand that just because it's over the counter does not mean it's safe. And, you know, when you're taking medicine for three, four months at a time, I mean, and this is what people are coming in and telling us that they're taking over the counter ibuprofen, Advil, whatever it is for months, um, that it's really detrimental to your heart, to your stomach lining. I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding on that one. And of course, these big drug companies like Advil, and I mean, they have so much money, they can bury anything they want. And I think people don't realize how much they are swayed by the media when it comes to this being safe. And while it is safe for a very short duration, it is not a long-term fix and it's not something you should be taking long-term. So we're not on this show trying to beat you up as our listeners. You know me better than that if you're a regular listener. But we're trying to give you some practical things that can help you. And I think the first message you're wanting to take away from Dr. Moore's insights is that if you've got pain, if you've got chronic health issues, especially in the musculoskeletal arena, we've got help coming up for you in today's show. Dr. Moore is going to be giving you many practical pointers, things that you can do differently strategies that you can take. But Heather, before we jump into some of that practical information, we just got to deal with one other issue. And I'm just going to be honest with you. When I talk with patients about, uh, well, I say, I want you to get some physical therapy. I typically get some pushback. And one of the most common things is, oh, I don't have time for that. Oh, uh, couldn't we do something else? 
have you seen this? Why is there in so many people reluctance to do something that really is getting at the root of our problems? I blame my profession and I'm embarrassed to say it. I blame my profession because we have, even today, really sold ourselves short on what we can do. I know practices in my own area who just, the patients walk in and they hand them a sheet of exercises and that's not physical therapy. You can go online and do some of that stuff. I mean, we actually have a YouTube channel, Total Performance Physical Therapy, where we have hundreds of videos of exercises that you can do and you can do them at home. Uh, We have really let go of the manual component behind what we do. And by manual, I mean actually getting your hands on you and working on the tissues and working on the muscles. And I get the pushback even when people walk into my office. I don't want to be here. My friend told me you're going to help me. I don't really believe you, but I'm in so much pain. I don't have anywhere else to go. So I'll give you a try. And, you know, I, as I talk to them, I hear their history. They've, they've been other places and they've been to physical therapy and they walked in and they were handed a sheet of exercises and they did five exercises and it was a waste of their time. And I look at them and I say, you're absolutely right. It was a waste of your time. You know, if you're going to physical therapy, there's a hands-on component that needs to happen in order for you to feel better. Unfortunately, the time component, it does. You do have to reserve time. You have to make time to fix things. And again, it's one of those things where I say, if I see you after two weeks of hurting, I can fix it quickly. You're out of here in a couple of weeks. If I see you after a year, you're talking more time and more money. And I hate to see that because I want people to get in and out of here. I'm as active as they come. I want people in and out of here as quickly as possible. So It is our profession that I have to blame for that misconception that has come down the pike. But if you go to a really good physical therapist, you're going to see why you actually have to be there. Um, Telehealth's become huge. And I have not gotten into it because what I do is I put my hands on people. I can't do what I do over, over video. I mean, I can give you suggestions. And like I said, we have an extensive YouTube channel. This is tremendous, Heather, and we want to talk more about some of the resources you have. And I'm very interested in this telemedicine connection. We'll talk about that in the next segment. We're going to step away just for a couple of minutes. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose and Dr. Heather Moore. We're speaking about things that are vital to your health, the health of your family, the health of your tribe. Don't go away. We've got a lot more coming up. I'm Dr. DeRose. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web at A-I-A-N-L dot O-R-G. That stands for American Indian Alaska Native Living. Again, A-I-A-N-L dot org. Or you can call us at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. For 13 and one half years, I was the victim of severe child abuse. I was being beaten, cursed, and deprived of any kind of love and care. It was a big secret. Children are born to be loved, not to be abused. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. 
We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information, like your Social Security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General, at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose, and we are talking with Dr. Heather Moore. We're dealing with the subject of physical therapy and the difference it can make for you as far as your health. Here's one of the big challenges, and I alluded to this as we were going into our break. Dr. Moore, let me just make this a question for you. First of all, the context. I've got a lot of physical therapists who are talking about the value of telemedicine. And I'll just be honest with you. The first time I was talking with a physical therapist about this, I said, I'm shocked because I think of physical therapy as being hands-on. And he's saying, oh, no, we're finding that you can do stuff virtually and people can make all these benefits. Is my skepticism warranted or do you think I just need to be educated? Honestly, your skepticism is warranted. It is very difficult to do physical therapy over telehealth, and we don't really offer it at my practice. We are offering it for longtime Medicare patients who are truly afraid to come out of their house, but want us to monitor their exercises. Those are the only patients we will do it for. Otherwise, we have refused to do it because I don't feel, again, I don't want to give you a sheet of exercises. We have our YouTube channel, Total Performance Physical Therapy. There are hundreds of exercises on there. You can go and look at those for free and on your own time. I don't want to sit here over video and instruct you on exercises. That's a personal trainer. That's not me. We're hands-on. I really, truly believe that you can't fix problems without getting your hands on people. If you have back pain, you need somebody to get in there and help actually uh, relieve your muscles. And that's where telemedicine is just falling short. And if, if you're able to do exercises, do them on your own time. Don't sit there on, on a Zoom call with a physical therapist. That's that's a waste of my talent and that's a waste of your time. Go honestly, Google you know our YouTube channel and do those. But I, I 
share your skepticism and my practice doesn't do it unless you are a long established patient who just refuses to come out of the house right now. And rightfully so, no judgment, absolutely not. But we're just trying to keep those people we have that relationship with that maintenance therapy going, but that's really all we're doing. So what I've jotted down here, Dr. Moore, is total performance physical therapy. If I put that into Google or a search engine, is that going to bring me to your YouTube videos? Total performance physical therapy. Yes, it should bring you right to our YouTube videos. Um, Or if you go onto YouTube and you put in total performance physical therapy, that will bring up our entire YouTube channel. You can look at us on Facebook. We do Facebook lives, which then go into our YouTube channel. So we're very active on social media because I believe in education. I think that is the number one thing that people need in order to get better. That's another component of physical therapy that is often overlooked is Most people, when they think of the word injury, feel as though they need to have fallen or need to have an accident. Injury doesn't mean that at all. And most injuries that we treat are people who have sitting too long. They're not at the proper desk. They have all these things that we need to fix in order for that injury, quote unquote, to get better. And we do a lot of education through our social media channels because how you sit all day, how you stand, how you pick up your kids, how you drive, so on and so forth is really important. And if you go to physical therapy and you're there for back pain and they're not addressing and they're not educating and they're not trying to figure out exactly why you have this back pain, you're not going to get better because you're going to walk out of that office and go do the same thing again and again and again that is causing you to have that back pain. So we do a ton of education on our social media. We have all the social media channels because it's really important for you to start on your own to fix things that need to be fixed because you won't have success with medicine, physical therapy. I don't care what it is, surgery, drugs, you name it. If you don't fix the cause of why you're in pain and that's repetitive things that you're doing every day, most of the time you don't even realize you're doing them. Now, this is such a great message and such a great resource. So I'm already locked in to this YouTube channel, Total Performance Physical Therapy. And I recommend all of you who are tuning in today to our show to take note of that. If you're a health professional, if you're a layperson, great resource. I'm looking forward to uh, referring my patients that I'm dealing with to those resources. But we're making another point. And the point is that as great as some of those resources that Dr. Moore and his team has pulled together, There's a need for hands-on care. So as you're looking at your tribal health program, as you're looking at other options in your community, don't minimize the role of physical therapy. Heather, that brings up a totally different question. In different parts of the country, there's kind of this, well, unusual division of labor. And what I'm referring to is I've worked in a number of settings, and sometimes I'll say, boy, this person's got shoulder problems, they've had issues with carpal tunnel, and I'll refer to a physical therapist. They'll say, no, 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 that's occupational therapy. That's that's their arms, that's their hands. Uh, Tell us a little bit, because sometimes people get confused. Is there really this division of labor? Does it depend where you're at? Help us. Well, usually there's not a division of labor when you're talking about outpatient physical therapy. So basically when you leave the hospital, now some physical therapists can be lazy, especially if they work for a hospital system and just say, go see an occupational therapist. But the big division of occupational and physical therapy and arms versus legs, the only time I ever see it is in a hospital setting where basically they hand the the lower legs off to the PTs and then the occupational therapist will take the arms. 
in my world, I treat all of that. I treat carpal tunnel. I treat shoulder. I treat everything. I went to school for everything. So I feel more than comfortable treating all of it. And I know a lot of physical therapists do. So it really always bugs me when I see that differentiation of PTs versus OTs outside of the hospital, because there really isn't a physical therapist should be treating all of those things. And they're very educated in order to do so. Now, one of the interesting questions that has been raised a lot today is where is this interface between the physical and the emotional? So many people are emotionally down because of all that we've experienced through 2020 and it seems like sometimes those emotional issues, those mental health issues are almost being reflected in some of the physical challenges. Is there any role for physical therapy when it comes to this kind of broader holistic approach to health? I always say our jobs are treating 90% mental and 10% physical because we get so many patients, almost all of our patients come in here and they're depressed. They're sad. They don't feel good. They're in pain. And it's really important that we take the moment to listen. We don't counsel because that's not our job. We refer if we, if we feel that needs to happen. But a lot of people experience this depression and this anxiety and this fear because one, you're in pain and you don't know why. So a lot of times, even that first visit, we can alleviate a lot of that because you meet us, which is a huge step that a lot of people don't understand that they're even afraid to do. Uh, nobody really wants to walk into a room with a stranger, tell them their life story, and then have that stranger touch them. Uh, that's weird to a lot of people. And it's what we do every day. So we're used to it, but that's a big hurdle for people. And then we give them the path to feeling better. And sometimes when we ask, you know, we ask a lot of open-ended questions because we want to know everything. We want to hear the story. And a lot of times that story comes with a lot of mental uh, background and things that have happened. And it's totally normal. And you should never be embarrassed or uncomfortable to walk into your healthcare professional's office and kind of let go on some of that mental piece. It, you're in pain. I've been in pain. I've been not able to move. And it is the most depressing thing ever. I mean, it is, I don't cry. And I cried a lot when I had my, my hip pain going down my leg from when I was carrying my children. And it is extremely beneficial for people to come in here and be able to talk about that. So they're not independent. They are extremely related. And I think too many people think of them as independent. So they want to come in here and they want to play the tough guy. And oh, this is just physical. And it plays a huge role mentally. I see people come back in here and start losing weight and just looking better and, and because they feel better. And mm -hmm. at the end of the treatment, you get a lot of you know, hey, I didn't realize all my mental issues were because I was just in so much pain. And now I feel great and I'm back out and I feel good. And we're seeing a lot more of that this year than any other time. This is so wonderful, Dr. Moore, to hear you putting this together because a lot of folks don't realize the power of social connectedness. Now, I know in Indian country, folks understand the power of community perhaps better than, you know, some other segments of the population. But sometimes that doesn't carry over into the professional relationships. And what I really hear you saying is if we understand what a physical therapist can do in your tribal health program, in your community, what it can do for you, is this is really someone who's not only doing hands-on modalities, not only there to help you with your pain, 
but it's someone walking alongside you. It's someone going on that journey with you. And you're really getting a partner as you deal with some of these really significant health issues, aren't you? Absolutely. We really feel like all of our patients are family because we treat them that way. And we don't use assistance or aids where I'm at because there may be one day where you are walking in and you are feeling great and you're on cloud nine and I can push you and I can push you and I can push you. And then two days later, it is the worst day of your life. You're not feeling it, whether it's mentally or physically, and we have to dial it down and understanding those ups and downs mentally, as well as physically is only going to lead to your success. If you just come in and you're monotone and you don't understand what is going on mentally and physically, you want to, you know, you need to make sure that you are addressing both of those parts. Wow. We have got to talk more about practical things that our listeners can really take with them from this show. I think you've gotten a lot of great insights already. Putting physical therapy in a place that really uh, is high on your list as far as things that can make a difference for you and those that you care about. We're going to be back with more. Don't go away. I'm Dr. DeRose. Dr. Heather Moore is staying by. Stay tuned. American Indian and Alaska Native Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please contact us on the web at AIANL.org or call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. The most negative thinking in my childhood was the things said to me. I felt like I was a bag of garbage waiting to go to the dump. Please, moms and dads, put a watch on your mouth as you relate to your children. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph, when blam, ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Heard-Garris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. Every year, hundreds of teens drown. If your teen hasn't learned to swim yet, it's never too late. Even if your teen is a strong swimmer, make sure to supervise kids of any age. No one should swim alone. Teach them to enter the water feet first, wear life jackets on a boat, and never use alcohol or drugs on the water. Drowning is preventable. For more, visit HealthyChildren.org. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs and dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 
That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose for the second half of today's edition of the broadcast. Heather Moore, doctorate in physical therapy with physical performance, physical therapy, has been sharing with us insights that can make a difference for you and for all those that you care about. Heather, one of the things that I often deal with is evaluating pain. So as a physician, actually right now I'm exclusively doing telemedicine, and I'll tell you it's a lot more challenging to evaluate uh, an elbow problem or shoulder or knee or hip when I can't touch the person. So I'm relying more on imaging. The question always comes up from folks. We'll get a plain x-ray. We'll show nothing. All the bony structures look good. Or maybe even an MRI will not show the uh, terrible ACL tear or whatever the patient was envisioning. They got terrible knee pain. They they heard about how their sports uh, hero tore his uh, anterior cruciate ligament. And they're sure that's what's happened to them. But, hey, nothing like that, and their leg is still in terrible pain. How do you, as a physical therapist, help people understand this difference between objective findings on some of these tests and what they're experiencing? Sure. So most of what we treat doesn't show up on X-ray and MRI, and people walk into our office very frustrated because muscles don't really show up on X-ray and MRI. Um, If you tore one, they're going to see it. Outside of that, most of what we deal with and the type of pain people have is compensation issues, compensation from sitting too long. Your knee had a little hitch in it. So you compensated with your walking. Most of the time we're dealing with some muscle knots, some tissues that are not functioning correctly. And when we get our hands on you and kind of feel around, that's exactly what's going on. None of that's going to show up on x-ray and MRI. So we get a lot of people who are frustrated because they think that they're in so much pain. They must have broken a bone. They must have torn something. And most of the time, pain that you experience that even can be 10 out of 10 ha- never shows up on x-ray or MRI. So those are the times that it's even more important that you're in your physical therapist's office because we can diagnose it pretty quickly. But a lot of the times it's that compensation strategy um, and everybody's different on how they do it that comes into play. Um, like for knees and things like that, you brought up knee is a huge one. There's not a whole lot going on at the knee in terms of uh, there's not specific muscles that only are specific to the knee. Most of them go up to the hip. Most of them go to the ankle. So if you are walking barefoot, that can cause you to have tremendous knee pain because your foot's not being positioned correctly. So there's a lot of things that we look at. And one of the things that we focus on and why we've had such success is we don't really just look at the knee. We've got to look at the hip and the ankle. And that's often overlooked is, you know, you go in and you complain of knee pain and well, nothing on the x-ray, nothing on the MRI, there's no ACL tear. Very rarely is that pain coming specifically from the knee. You got to look at the hip. You got to look at the foot in order to figure out where it's coming from. One of the other big questions, Dr. Moore, that patients have had for me over the years, or maybe it's sometimes not even a question. It's when we talk about hands-on modalities, sure, some people equally looking at different providers who render those kind of services, but other people have their minds made up. If they have a problem, they're going to see a physical therapist. Or, no, I don't want to see a physical therapist. I want to see a chiropractor. Or, no, chiropractor, no, physical therapist, no, massage therapist. That's what I want. Help us understand 
what is the role of the physical therapist in these hands-on modalities compared to some of these other individuals who've got professional careers that also focus on hands-on treatment? Sure. So like I just talked about with your muscles, most issues you're going to have is with your muscles. It's going to be some sort of compensation issue, whether it be a knot, whether there be some other myofascial issues going on. So when you go to a massage therapist or a chiropractor, we kind of put everything together. So we have the hands-on massage component, It's not necessarily a massage, but we're able to work on tissues as a massage therapist would, and even better because we went to school longer and have more specific techniques, but it's not enough just to do the massage. And that's where people fall into uh, traps. And it's not enough just to do, you know, have your back cracked at a Cairo or whatever, you know, people want to tell me. It's important that you get the exercises to retrain the muscles. And this is where a lot of people fall short and they don't have complete success because you have to have that hands-on component, but you also do have to do some exercises. You have to retrain your muscles. If you're, you know, compensating, you know, if you move around in your chair a lot, when you're sitting, trying to get comfortable, that's a compensation strategy. So as we get our hands on you and we fix some of those issues, we have to then retrain the muscles how to sit properly. And I know it sounds weird, but that's what has to happen. We've got to strengthen some of those muscles to be able to handle the stresses of sitting or standing. And when you fail to do that, you're going to never get better. You're just going to be in this trap where, you know, you have to go for more massages or more chiro visits or, you know, the frequency increases until that doesn't really help you anymore because you didn't do the full picture. You didn't complete the full package. It's amazing to me how long this process takes for some folks is to relearn how you do certain motions and movements. I think of a person I worked with over a number of years who had chronic back problems, and it seemed like I was always saying, no, don't use your back. I mean, squat down or don't twist to do this. Is this a common scenario? This was a bright person. Is it really that hard for many of us to learn new techniques as far as things that we've commonly done? Well, here's the interesting fact. If you go into a daycare and you roll a ball in the middle of a two-year-old classroom, watch how they pick it up. They're going to squat down. So we actually teach ourselves over the years bad habits because kids don't. Like if you watch a small child, they will squat, they will pull the object close to them, and they will stand up. It's our own laziness that has allowed us to bend from the waist, you know, and it's a almost more of a stubborn issue at that point in time, because here's the bottom line. If you don't change how you do things, you're not going to be able to fix your back. I can't help you. And I basically, you know, when I say we educate, that's the conversations we have is if you're going to go home and you're going to bend over at the waist a hundred times, and you're not going to fix that repetitive process that brought you in here that herniated your disc, because that's some of the highest amount of pressure you can put on your disc is just bending over at your waist. The, high, the best population to herniate their discs, moms with little kids, because they bend over at the waist. If you aren't willing to change that, there's not much I can do to help you. And I don't want to waste your time. And I don't want to waste my time because you have to change some things about your everyday life. And I know people are very hesitant about that and they don't want to do it. And they're going to keep doing that, what they want to do. And, and I understand that mentality because I'm as stubborn as they come. But at the same time, if it means I'm able to move pain-free, we're going to make some adjustments. So it's easy to go back to where we were once we're receptive, but we are all born with that innate ability to lift correctly, to sit correctly, to stand correctly. It's our, it's us compensating and reteaching ourselves the wrong ways to do it. That, you know, it always makes me laugh when I hear people say, I can't do it. I'm like, no, no, we're all born with that ability. We just mm. teach ourselves not to. No, that's a great point. 
Let's come back to this discussion that I've had with many patients over the years, and it has to do with these different hands-on providers. One of the things that I'm truly a big advocate of is massage and that whole discipline. And like you've explained, physical therapists have that training. But one of the things I've always appreciated with PTs is it seems like you just have such a range of what we in the profession call modalities. I'm thinking of someone that I sent to PT for arthritic hands, and you're using paraffin baths. You're using ultrasound, electrical stimulation. Give us some idea of the range of modalities that physical therapists work with. So the big one we actually do here is aquatic therapy. So we have heated Mm. pools, which really are fantastic, especially for those lower leg injuries, uh, back pain, really helps people to move. But we do have heat, we have stem, we have paraffin. They're more specific modalities um, that are able to help calm the pain a little bit quicker that will complement what we do. We do a lot of taping here. Uh, taping usually is, becomes uh, very big when the Olympics come on TV. All the athletes will be t- um, we use it here all the time because it helps sustain the treatments uh, once you leave here. But it's, you know, all of the, and again, it's all of those things put together. And, you know, massage therapy, while people equate us to massage therapy, I go for massages every week. I think they're phenomenal maintenance. I, when I'm injured, I come and I see one of my therapists to help a little bit more. So there's disciplines that have their place. You know, massage therapists don't have all of the modalities, the electric stim, the ultrasound, we have laser, all of these things do different things, but they're all aimed at healing your pain quicker. When I go to my massage therapist, she's not healing my pain. I might be uncomfortable and she's going to take that away because I go to her quite frequently. Um, But these modalities specifically are, you know, and I don't want to get into all the science behind it, but are specifically designed to take that pain away a lot quicker and extend our hands-on uh, treatments till the next time you come in or for, you know, a couple weeks. Let's talk a little bit about the taping that you mentioned. I was speaking with a, a layperson not all that long ago, and they were saying, oh, yeah, I was watching this video on YouTube, how I could tape this uh, area that was hurting me. And uh, they're... Uh, Reaction was they seem to have hurt themselves more, even by doing exactly what they saw in the video. Is this really a do-it-yourself discipline, or do you need a professional to help you with this? Actually, taping you can generally do by yourself once you know what's going on. We have taping Mm. videos on our YouTube channel that we have out there, um, and every drugstore now sells this kinesio tape. So we've put some on there, but you have to know what's going on, and a lot of people don't know exactly what's going on. They just tape because their ankle's swollen. Um, and a lot of people uh, take this tape and they use it very aggressively. And what you have to realize is you don't need to tape yourself really aggressively. And I always say, I love showing up to running races because there's like mummies everywhere. People are just taped to the hilt. And I'm like, you know, you wasted a lot of money on tape because I don't usually apply more than two or three pieces and that's it. If you are wow. applying all of these different pieces of tape, you're not doing it right. You know, you're doing it wrong. So, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Is it something you do? Yes. Do I discharge people with tape all the time? Absolutely. 
it's my first thing that I do. If I feel any sort of pain, I'll just put a piece of tape on it. But it's important to know, to do it right, to know exactly what you're dealing with, what type of injury you're taping for, because every injury has a different type of taping technique and that you don't put too much on there. So let me see if I'm hearing this correctly, Dr. Moore. Someone's tuning in to this radio show, and they've maybe been reluctant to see a physical therapist. Maybe their mom saw a PT, and it seemed like a three-month course of therapy. Whether it really was or not, that's their memory. They say, I just don't have time for that. Could a person actually see a physical therapist for a few visits, maybe learn some taping techniques, maybe some other things that they could do on their own? Is that possible, or would you say, no, if you're going to do PT, we want you in for a certain length of time? No, no, we don't want you in for a certain length of time. Actually, the quicker we get you out, the better. Um, honestly, that is not... That's something we see more with Kairos in our area where I'm from. They make you sign long-term contracts. And I'm going to be honest when you walk in the door about how long I think this is going to take. Um, and if you're like, I only have three weeks, we work with time frames all the time because a little bit is better than nothing. Great, great. I'll be straight with you if I don't think it's going to get the job done in a couple of weeks, but it may actually work. So it's one of those things where you need to just kind of have that conversation, go in and talk, see what they say, you know, but we see people all the time for a couple of weeks. Great, Heather. We have got to step away just briefly one more time. We're going to come back with our final segment. Dr. Moore is going to tell you about more of the resources that are available on her website, some things that you can take advantage of. And if you're in the uh, Philadelphia area, she'll tell you a little bit more about the services that she and her team offer there. I'm Dr. DeRose. We'll be back with more right after these important messages. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. The following is a public service announcement for victims of child abuse. If child abuse victims don't get counseling or help, they shall often become abusers themselves. The victim doesn't make the decisions. They just take the orders. I got help. And so can you. If you've experienced child abuse, find someone to talk to, someone you can trust and share your hurt and disappointments. Go to overcomingabuse.org. That's overcomingabuse.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Shelley Flace with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. If you own firearms, it's your responsibility to make sure they're always stored safely. Hiding them in a closet or drawer is not enough. Kids know where they are. Research shows the risk of injury and death is lower if guns are stored unloaded and locked up with the ammunition locked in a separate place. This is important when children are young as well as when they grow into teenagers. For more, talk with your pediatrician or visit HealthyChildren.org. So I wanted to talk with you and your mom today, Lily, because some people at school have noticed changes going on with you, and we're concerned. Like what? Who? Some of your friends, teachers. It sounds like you've lost interest in a lot of things lately. You're hanging with new friends? So? So, individually, maybe those things are no big deal. But taken together, and then the incident the other day, you were with Derek when he was caught selling marijuana. Yeah, he was selling it. Honey, we know. But we care about you and, and want to know what's going on. That's right. We just want to understand better and see how we might help. And if weed is a part of it, we just want to make sure you understand the negative consequences for someone your age. 
the physical and mental health effects, the poor decision-making, and the confusing legal aspects these days. So what do you say? Can we talk? For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with our final segment of today's edition of the broadcast. Dr. David DeRose with Dr. Heather Moore. We're speaking about the power of physical therapy to make a difference for you and for those that you love. If you don't have physical therapy services available at your tribal health center, boy, it's something that the more I learn about it, the more I say, boy, you really want to make a priority to get a PT available there for you. Heather, there are a lot of folks, though, that don't have access to PT. Some of them have the means to travel. How far have people come to attend your services and one of your facilities there in the Philadelphia area? Yeah, so we've had people fly in from Abu Dhabi. We've had two people fly in from Abu Dhabi. We've had people fly in from England. Like I said in the beginning, we have our YouTube channel, Total Performance Physical Therapy, where people start uh, learning about us and try to find it in their area. And they wind up flying in from overseas. And we've had more than a few people do that. So, you know, that's not a three-month treatment uh, course. Uh, that's just kind of a one-time mm-hmm. thing. But it's uh, it's an honor when people fly in from all over the world to seek your services out. So I've got this website, this YouTube channel, YouTube channel, Total Performance Physical Therapy, correct? Correct. Yes. But now if I want to go to the website, you use an abbreviation. Is that true? Correct. Yes. That's totalperformancept.com. So take physical therapy and just use the first two letters, P and T, and then that's .com. Yep. So either one of those resources, um, our Facebook page, Total Performance Physical Therapy, great way to kind of start your journey, uh, see what we're all about, and just learn some tips for yourself. So I've got it, totalperformancept.com, or just remember, Total Performance Physical Therapy, go into YouTube or Facebook, and I'm good to go. But for someone who's still wondering, is there help for me on this channel? We've mentioned that you've doing a lot of work with knees. I see a lot of folks who have hip issues, low back. Is that a lot more difficult to deal with as far as exercise regimens? No, it's honestly about the same with anything. It's really finding the cause of the problem and really finding the root of the problem. And most of the videos that we do, you're going to hear me say, you know, it's important for us to figure out exactly what's going on. So once you find the cause, that's when the easy part is. But, you know, unfortunately, people wait so long to get things treated. That hip pain is usually hip and back and knee pain that we now have to address. So uh, like I said, it's this snowball that continues and continues. And that's why we like you to get it treated when it's just hip pain, because that's a lot easier than hip pain, back pain, knee pain. And, you know, most people are like, oh, my whole right side. I don't understand it. I'm like, well, it's the old song, you know, the hip bones connected to the knee bone. That is true in life. And you need to kind of recognize that, that the longer you ignore it, the more it's going to travel. So yeah, you know, going to the resources that we have and really kind of figuring out 
what the cause is. And once you figure that out, the rest is easy, but figuring out the cause and the more pain you have means the longer you let it go. And the more we've got to peel back the layers, but once you figure it out, yeah, the exercises are pretty easy. Now, one of the things that we typically rely on as physicians when we're talking to people about these musculoskeletal things, maybe overly simplistic, but let me just ask you, Dr. Moore, someone comes in, typical scenario, and they say, well, I hurt my ankle last month. Of course, they didn't come in to see me or to see someone in your profession. They're taking care of themselves at home. Now they say uh, the knee on the opposite side is bothering me, the hip on the opposite side. And we'll typically suggest, well, likely because of that ankle injury, you've changed how you're walking, you're putting more stress on the other side. Is that overly simplistic or is that often really what's going on? No, that's often what's going on. Where the oversimplicity comes in and where we have to kind of go a step further is most people think that they can just go back to walking normally. And they just tell themselves, oh, go back to walking normally. Once you feel pain, your muscles have changed. They've gotten a little Mm. bit shorter. There's knots in them. There are changes that have occurred for them to hurt. So you can't just say to yourself, oh, I'm just going to start walking normally again, because your muscles can't. They don't know how to walk normally again. As weird as that sounds, you have to retrain yourself how to walk. And this is where, this is everything we do in physical therapy is kind of loosening up those muscles and then strengthening them in order to be able to return to walking normal while addressing the issues at the ankle. A lot of times after we've addressed the compensation, the actual original injury is gone and treated itself already. It's the compensation that gets a lot of people into trouble. And that's a scenario that we see a a lot. And by the time we're done, we don't have to look at the ankle because the ankle's done and, you know, healed itself. But this compensation, you know, they're just not able to work through it. And that's where people get frustrated because of that oversimplicity. I just should be able to walk normally. It's like, if you've got pain, there's some definite changes in your body that have happened that are not going to allow you to walk normally. So that the oversimplicity is not in, you know, assigning that compensation. It's how you treat it. That's where people oversimplify it and can get very frustrated with it. We've been talking a fair amount about low back, lower extremity. When it comes to the arms, Probably one of the more common things that a lot of us see are shoulder injuries. And I think most of my patients have heard the term rotator cuff injury. But it seems like just about no lay person has any idea what that means or what that looks like. Can you help my listeners understand a little bit about what a rotator cuff injury is? Sure. So a rotator cuff injury is something that we commonly see. And it's something that we see a lot of people ignore because they don't want surgery. And it's really, um, I can't impress upon people enough that most doctors are not even surgically repairing them anymore. And it's really important to get this addressed because rotator cuff injury, that's basically the muscles that allow your shoulder to stabilize, allow your shoulder to hold everything nice. You can't move your hand without activating your rotator cuff. And it's a very common injury, um, but there's not one specific injury that happens. It's, it's a bunch of different muscles that are, uh, that are made up. So you can have rotator cuff tendonitis. Sometimes you're going to feel pinching when you reach overhead. That's the beginning of you starting to, starting to tear your rotator cuff. So you really want to be careful with that because that's telling you your rotator cuff is inflamed. You can have pain into the middle of your arm. This is really where we see a lot of pain being referred to. So when I say referral pain, referred pain, you're not going to feel pain in your shoulder. You're actually going to feel it in the middle of your arm. That's some type of rotator cuff 
injury. And again, it's one of those things where if you ignore it long enough, it's going to turn into a tear. And that's what everybody's afraid of. Um, The massive tears do get surgically repaired. So you do have to be careful not to massively tear it. But it's something that if you address it soon enough, the impingement or the the tendonitis that it starts off as can be completely uh, resolved. And one of the things that causes rotator cuff injuries, sitting with your smartphones or sitting on your tablets for too long with your arms roll or your shoulders rolled forward in this posture where everything's rolled forward because you're actually pinching your rotator cuff. And we see a lot of people in that kind of situation. So having good posture throughout the day is going to help blood into that rotator cuff and help that stay healthy. You mentioned not injuring the rotator cuff when it's already aggravated. Are there certain motions beside these postural things that are high risk? No, there really isn't. When you're, when you're talking about rotating with the rotator cuff injury, the posture is the biggest thing that's going to irritate it. Most of the time when you have a rotator cuff injury, reaching overhead is going to be painful. And sometimes people do this, they, they stop doing this and then they wind up with frozen shoulder. So again, it's this compensation that we see a lot of, but you don't necessarily want to avoid anything. I am a big, big believer in not stopping doing activities because that leads to a lot of other issues. So if you're finding that you are going to have to limit a certain motion because it hurts, you need to get that treated. There needs to be some direction on how you limit that motion. I never tell anybody, well, don't do this. Unless you've literally fallen and you've twisted your ankle and you can't put weight on it, don't walk on it. But I never say avoid this motion because you're going to wind up with compensation strategies that are not helpful. You need to go and figure out how to avoid certain motions if they're hurting while you're getting them treated. So you're not avoiding them for so long that they become a bigger issue. Well, time is about to slip away from us. So we don't have a lot of time for this, but maybe this is more than is fair to ask you in some of the closing moments of our show. But Dr. Moore, sometimes folks who have pain are talking with us about, well, what's a safe level of activity? Sometimes I've heard the rule of thumb. If your pain is not worse the next day, you probably didn't overdo it the previous day. Is that overly simplistic or is that a reasonable rule of thumb? So this is that we always draw the line. We know the difference between pain from working out like soreness and pain. If you have pain, then you are doing something wrong and you need treatment period, the end. You should never have pain from activity. You shouldn't stop doing activity because you have pain. You need to get it treated, but you should never have pain. Soreness, go ahead. You're fine. But pain, really be careful with that because you're going to wind up compensating and in a lot of trouble. Great answer. Heather, our time has slipped away. One more time, if folks want to connect with you, your team, the great information that you have, how do they get it? So you can go to our website, totalperformancept.com. You can go to our YouTube channel, Total Performance Physical Therapy, our Facebook page, Total Performance Physical Therapy. You'll find a lot of great information on as well as other resources that you can have. Heather, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your enthusiasm with us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's all for today. I'm Dr. David DeRose, as always, hoping that today's show really made a difference for you. And you know how it is. We're wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.